Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Nathan Johnson, and this is episode number eight. In this episode, we have a very special guest who's going to talk about passion, intimacy, and love with Jesus. Let's dive in. One of my favorite people in all the world, and one of the people who have most influenced my life, is a man by the name of Stephen Manley. Now, if you spend any time with me, you've likely heard me talk about Stephen before. A little over 10 years ago, I had the incredible opportunity to travel with Stephen as his intern. That summer radically changed my life. Through it, Stephen taught me how to study God's word. He taught me to know Jesus intimately, and he really set a foundation and the trajectory of my life since that point. I have overwhelmingly fallen in love with Jesus in large part because of Stephen's influence on my life. Stephen's still a great friend of mine, and I just love spending time with him. He's truly one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard preach. A couple of weeks ago, I was listening to one of his old sermons, and oh, I was just stirred afresh by the revelation and the truth of what it means for Jesus to be the guide in my life. What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to really take me by the hand and lead me into all truth? And what I thought would be kind of fun today is for our podcast, I actually want to bring Stephen in via a sermon and let you hear this concept, this truth for yourself and see how it can apply to your life. Now, to give you a quick context, Stephen is preaching from Acts chapter one, which is the first business meeting of the early church. Jesus just ascended into heaven. And now here's Peter. He stands up and he talks about the need for the early church to replace Judas, who had just killed himself. So what Stephen is doing, he's talking about the word being a guide that Peter uses in chapter one. And he's going to bring in a passage from John chapter 16, as well as uh, Revelation chapter seven. So we're jumping into this sermon. Without further ado, let's get started. I'm very excited. Here's Stephen Manley. Judas became a guide. You understand you transport cargo, but you don't transport human beings. You guide. You guide. See, it's a whole different setup. So we're not dealing with stuff. We're not dealing with things. 
We're dealing with humanity here. We're dealing with thought process. We're dealing with inner structure. The actual Greek word that's translated guide here has two words that are put together. The first word has the idea and the indication of a road. The second one is a strengthened form of the idea of leading. So it has the idea of leading, guiding someone down a path or down a road. It has the idea of supervising. It has the idea of instructing. It has the idea of, uh, of revealing. It has the idea of grabbing them by their hand. It has the idea, again, of, of supervision, of being over them, of, of knowing something they don't know and bringing them into it. It's to guide. See, Judas became a guide. I begin to look up the other places where this word shows up to get the concept. I want you to turn to those scriptures with me. One of them, oh, I'm really intrigued with this, is John chapter 16. It's a beautiful passage. It's so positive. I love this. John chapter 16. And you're probably, oh, I know you're familiar with this scripture. But John chapter 16, and it really is in verse 13. Get the context of this. The context really starts back in, oh, uh, go back to chapter 14. You know, chapter 14 is in the upper room, of course. And it's the idea of uh, John chapter 14. Uh, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. They're in the upper room. They've just, he's washed their feet, you understand. And they've moved into the Last Supper kind of setting. And he's now giving them instruction. And all through chapter 14, Jesus is speaking. If you have the red letter edition, it's all over the place. The red letters are all over the place. Chapter 15 is totally solid with the red letters. Jesus is giving a whole discourse. He's talking about intimacy with God. He's talking about vine and branch kind of stuff in the beginning of chapter 15. How he's the vine and we're the branch and how he wants intimacy. And he's talking and presenting to them the idea of the promise of the Father, which is going to be about Pentecost, of course. The fullness of the Holy Spirit who's literally going to come in and dwell you. How he's no longer going to, go to, how, how he's no longer going to be outside you. How he's going to be inside you. And a whole new intimacy. Oh, you're going to move to a whole new level of intimacy. Something is going to be going to, going to go on in your life that just, it's going to be so phenomenal. It's, going, it's the promise of the Father. It's the dream of God for your life. It's everything he's ever wanted for you. It's you and God really getting so tight. In fact, he says, as he moves into chapter 16, verse 13, you know the verse. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide There it is. Same word. He will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. Do you understand, he says, this spirit, this, this, the spirit of Jesus, I'm not going to be outside anymore. I'm going to come to be inside. And the spirit of Jesus, when he gets inside of you, one of his primary functions is he's going to guide you into all truth. Oh, he's capable of that because he has the capacity of all truth. He knows all truth. In fact, this same passage goes on to tell us that he's going to talk to us, not about himself. Hey, he's going to talk about Jesus. Well, who's Jesus? The truth. I am the truth. So he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to reveal Jesus to you. 
You want to know how filled, you want the test of how filled you are with the Spirit? How much do you talk about Jesus? See, the test of being Spirit-filled is not talking about the Spirit. The test of being Spirit-filled is talking about Jesus. For the more Spirit-filled you are, the more you talk about Jesus. Why? Because He's guiding you. He's guiding you. See, it's the picture of He's taking you by the hand and He's leading you down this road, this pathway of truth, and it's just unfolding. And remember, Jesus said, I am the way, so He can lead you down the pathway into the fullness of all that He is until Jesus becomes so big Jesus gets so magnificent in your eyesight you see him like you've never seen him before man he's just revealing this Christ to you and again he's let God grabbed you by the hand and he's leading you down until truth is becoming manifested to you he's instructing you he's guiding you truth is being known you're grasping it has nothing to do with intellectual level oh you're beginning to understand it from a spiritual perception because the spirit of Jesus has literally indwelt you and always flowing in you and he's captivated your mind and your mind is being illuminated and he's grabbed a hold of your inner heart and you're beginning to grasp from the depth of your insides and how could that possibly be well because you got a good evangelist and he tells you the truth <laughs> no this is not the communication of man. This is the indweltness of the Spirit. You're going to get so tight with God. You're going to be so one with Him that He's going to be able to reveal truth to you. And there is no way you cannot know the truth if you have Him. In fact, it's really significant in verse 13. He will guide you into all truth. Uh, that really is a causative phrase. In other words, it could literally be translated like this. It could be translated, He will cause you to know all truth. He will cause you, cause you. Yeah, that He's the reason. See, it isn't, oh, I was, certainly, I was certainly lucky. It isn't that. It wasn't, well, I had a good upbringing. Yeah, my parents were all Christians. That's why I know the truth. No, they knew a lot of facts, but they didn't know any truth. Because you can know facts and not know truth, folks. Which is what explains why some of the dumbest people in the world have PhDs. Because they know all kinds of facts, but they don't know a rip about truth. Because this is not about facts. This is not about two plus two equals four. Got that down. See, the Holy Spirit is not going to bring revelation of just facts like you memorize stuff. It's not going to be, oh, you're going to go to bed at night and he's going to wave his magic wand over your brain. And lo and behold, you're going to wake up, whoa, knowing all of this detailed biblical trivia. Wow, you know it all. No, that's not. He's going to guide you into the revelation of the person of Jesus. And it's going, there's going to be a depth to it. And he's Going to, he's going to moment by moment sensitize you to truth. And you're going to move into every situation of your life. The circumstances, the trials, the things that people say that they don't say. The right person's going to, you're going to come across the right person at just the right time. You're going to read the right book at just the right moment. He's constantly revealing. And in every situation, you're sitting on the edge of your seat saying, Oh, wonder what he's going to reveal to me in this one. And even the situations that you consider bad and hurtful and in the middle of pain, you're wide open because God is bringing a revelation of the person of Jesus and you're going to walk out of that tragedy. You're going to walk out of that dark moment with the light of God bursting forth in your system because the Holy Spirit has led you into truth. Oh, oh. man, I want that in my life. I got to have that, folks. I'm never going to know the truth if I don't have him. 
I can't go to enough Bible colleges. I can't sit in enough seminary classes. I can't come to Sunday school enough. I can't hear enough of yelling evangelists. I, I can't, I, I'll never know the truth that way. It'll never come through to me. I'm going to have to have the indwelt spirit of God literally close, tight. I've, I've got to be intimate with him, man. I've got to be flowing with him. He's got to be in my mind. Do you crave that? Oh, I crave that from the depth of my soul. Oh, what we understand this concept because we we do that in football, we do that in baseball. I, I know guys, man, they can sit and talk for hours. They can go back the last 20, 25, 30 years, man. They can tell you every year who won, who didn't, what the stats. They got it. Well, they've just filled their oh, can you imagine allowing the Holy Spirit just to fill your whole insides with the truth of Jesus until whoa, every everything spills out in terms of Jesus. I'll never know the truth, man. I'll never know the truth until he takes me by the hand and says, come on, and leads me down the path. Guide. You get the picture? Guide. Now, hang on to that concept, and I want you to go to another scripture. It's another place, this same word. And all oh, this is so positive. I love this. Go to the book of the Revelation, chapter 7. This is such a great scripture. Revelation, chapter 7. And I, I, I've read it, I suppose, but I never got this connection in chapter 7. Oh, the context is interesting. Uh, uh, there's a group of people that have come out of the tribulation. In fact, uh, back up to verse 9. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. There was a great multitude. Uh, no one could number them, of course. Of all the nations, tribes, people, tongues, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. And this whole section is focused on the Lamb, which is really neat. He was clothed, and they were clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. And they were crying out, look at verse 10. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And there's great praise going on to the Lamb. All the angels stood around in verse 11, around the throne, and the elders and the four living beasts fell on their faces before the throne and, and worshiped God, saying, and so forth and so forth. And, and then one of the elders said to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? That's verse 13. Look at verse 14 now. And I said, Sir, you know. So he said to me, Yeah. These are the ones who have come out of great tribulation. And they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Here it comes. Look at this. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him night and day in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger nor anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat for the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead. There's the word. Guide them to living fountains of water. <laughs> Woo, what a picture. Hey, it's ironic, isn't it? Oh, it's really intriguing to me. And we talked about this the other night. But look again at verse 17. For the lamb will shepherd. Isn't it interesting that the lamb's the shepherd? The lamb's supposed to have a shepherd. Oh, he turned out to be the shepherd. But we went through that. You remember that. The high priest, that's who he is. But he's offering a sacrifice. What's the sacrifice he's offering? Himself. So he's the high priest and the sacrifice all at the same time. He's the shepherd and the lamb all at the same moment. See, it's all wrapped up in him. 
And isn't it intriguing that he takes this whole concept we're talking about, which is this guide thing, that the Holy Spirit's going to fill you. The indwelt presence of God is going to fill you. And he's literally going to begin to guide you, take you by the hand, lead you down the road. And he links with that the idea of shepherd. Hmm. Shepherd. Now, you know, that was a part of their culture. Scriptures is full of it. All the Old Testament, all down through the New Testament. Shepherd. Jesus is called our good shepherd. It's not a part of our culture, of course, and we don't know much about the shepherding business, except that as you go to the scriptures, you can get a pattern established just by reading the scriptures. You can figure out what the shepherds were all about, what their duties were, what their obligations, responsibilities were. For instance, a shepherd would get up in the morning. He would take his sheep. He would lead his sheep, guide his sheep to pasture. That was one of his responsibilities, feeding them, seeing that they had plenty. Provision. He would lead his sheep. How did he lead his sheep? Well, he walked in front of them. That was true. But it was more than that. He had this, he, he, he would do it by sound. This is so great. He did it by sound. Did he call their name? No, it was his voice. But it was a guttural sound that came out of the depth of his throat. And, and, and when the shepherd would give this guttural sound from his throat, all the sheep recognized it. In fact, they'd come to a well, you know, and other sheep, other flocks would be there and, and, and your flock would get mixed in with other flocks and other flocks and other flocks and all these sheep are, well, which one's mine? Doesn't matter because what's going to happen? Hey, the shepherd is going to walk off, man. And when he walks off giving this guttural sound from his throat, guess what's going to happen? All the sheep that belong to him are going to follow him. <laughs> Isn't that neat? Oh, wouldn't it be something to be so tight with God, so intimate with the lamb, the internal lamb, the, the one who's come to fill you, wants to take you by the hand. He gets you up in the morning and he gives this guttural sound, man, and all day long you just follow him. That's the picture. He gets you to pasture. The shepherd takes the sheep to the pasture and what does he do? He watches over the flock. Guards the flock all day long while they're in the pasture. And hey, if one of them strays, you know what he does. You know what he does. He goes after him, man. He goes after him. Doesn't matter what the sacrifice. Doesn't matter how much it costs him. Doesn't matter what the risk, what the discomfort is. He's going to find that lost sheep. He's got to. He has to. He just can't help himself. Midnight hours. Storm. You know the stories. He's going to provide water. Either a stream or again, go to the well and there's troughs where they fill the troughs and the sheep would drink. At the evening time, he's going to bring his sheep back. He's going to bring them to the fold. And he's going to stand in the doorway and he's going to have his staff and he's going to count and name every single one of them and look them over as they come through to be sure that they haven't been injured or nothing's happened to them. He's guarding them. And then you know where he's going to spend the night? Right there. He's the door. <laughs> oh, you've heard that one, haven't you? Jesus is our door. <laughs> he literally becomes the door. He's the entrance by which they came in. He becomes the door and nobody can get to his sheep, man. Not an animal, not a man. Nobody can get to the sheep. Why? Because the shepherd is the door. You've got to go through the, the guide, the shepherd guide. Man, I want that in my life. 
See, I want an intimacy with God. I, I want a fullness of the Spirit. Do you, do you understand? I, I, I want, I want a tightness with God. I don't, see, I don't want to know about God. I don't want religious ceremonies to do for God. See, I don't want to come down and impress God. See, I'm, I'm not interested in displaying my talent for God. See, I'm, I'm not interested in that. See, what I want is tightness. I want oneness. I, I, I want my life and His life to get all wrapped up together. I, I want to, I want to get so tight, man, He can whisper through His guttural sound in his voice and, and I just I'm, man I'm after him I'm after him I know his voice man we're so tight man I can feel his panting breath on my on, on my cheek man I, I want to be so tight with him so close to him that he can guide me he can move me he can keep me from the pitfalls I can be sensitive he can orchestrate my life he can bring me he can oversee he can be the shepherd guide for my life that's what Jesus is talking about Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus is going to indwell you and be your shepherd guide. That's so great, isn't it? Wow, isn't that an incredible concept that Jesus wants to be the shepherd guide in our lives? What would it look like if you allowed Jesus to be the shepherd guide in your life? What would it look like if you allowed the spirit of God who lives inside of you, if you're a Christian, to literally take you by the hand and lead you into all truth, which again is not just facts and information, we're talking about a person whose name is Jesus. Do you have that? Why would you want to live your life out of the resource, out of, out of the wisdom, out of the ability, out of the talent of yourself? Why wouldn't you allow Jesus and the spirit that lives within you to literally lead you in this life, to give you wisdom beyond your own intellect, to literally take you by the hand and literally enable you to live the triumphant life that he's longing for you to live. Do you know what we would call a life that's allowing Jesus to be the shepherd guide? Oh, we would call that life a Christian. Because a Christian, the Christian life is not a life that's built on my ability. It's not a life built on my intellect. It's not a life built upon my talent and my resource. It is a life that is really sourced by the Spirit of God, allowing Jesus himself to really crawl into my skin via the Holy Spirit and to live his life through me. This is not what I can do for him. This is what he wants to do through me. Yes, I'm fully involved. Yes, I'm fully participating. This isn't 0% Nathan, 100% God, but nor is it 100% Nathan and 0% God. In fact, it's not even 50% Nathan and 50% God. See, we're talking about 100% Nathan and 100% God coming together and we're living the Christian life together. See, what, what, what would it look like if the two of us came together to live out the life that God wants to live in my life? See, this is not me trying to produce Christianity. This is, oh, would I live a life of surrender and abiding and dependency upon Him and allow Him to shepherd, guide my life and lead me into all truth. Oh, that's what I want. Oh, I crave, I crave that. And I desire that for you as well. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including an outline and link to other resources and articles, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 008 for episode number eight. Now join me next time as we continue to dive into God's word and freshly look at how we can build our lives around Jesus Christ. Until then, know I am cheering you on.